Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell, and I'm here with... Zena. And Zena is here to uh, help me co-host the show. We sure do enjoy uh, learning a little bit about your background last week, Zena. We learned a little bit about the fact that you knew some Bible, but you're discovering things that you've never heard of. Yes. And last week, we talked about the uh, three heavens. Yes. And remember, you said you had never heard that there were three heavens. I did not know there was three heavens. Yeah. And so we're going to carry on with that a little bit and going further today because we mentioned that there was water in that uh, original uh, reconstruction. We've already talked about the original earth was inhabited by angels. Mm-hmm. It got ruined by angel, uh, an angel named Lucifer and his angels that joined him in rebellion. And then uh, they corrupted that original creation. So God had to flood it. And so we're discovering that Noah's flood will be the second flood the earth has ever had. Yes. And where all that water went from the original flood there was above the firmament of heaven, we saw. There was a place called the firmament, and God named it heaven. Mm-hmm. And we saw there were three heavens. We saw the open firmament was the sky, the atmosphere. The firmament of heaven itself is where he put the sun, moon, and stars, so we could call it outer space. Mm-hmm. And then far above that is the third heaven where God's throne is. It's an intermediate heaven. He's not going to stay there permanently. There's a point at which he's going to come down and dwell with men in a new heaven and a new earth, and everything will go full circle back to Genesis, just yes. like it started. So it's very exciting to think about, don't you think? It is. Well, so today we're going to talk a little bit more about that water because there was water, according to Genesis chapter 1, that was above the firmament. And since we learned the firmament was the outer space and the third heaven was God's throne, it's between the second and third heaven. And your Bible refers to it as the sea of glass. All right, we're going to find that and we're going to see what that's all about. So the lower sea of physical waters are our seas and oceans. All right? They're on the earth, mm-hmm. separated by the continents. All right, But there's water above that. Now, there's water in the first heaven or our atmosphere in the form of like clouds and water vapor. But that's not the amount of water that flooded the earth. You know? Really? Yeah, not the amount of water that flooded the earth in that first flood. That water, who, I don't know where it came from, but there's something in the Bible called the deep. And remember, we saw that in Genesis 1, verse 2. Yes. So we know water's involved in it, but he didn't even make the oceans and the seas yet. So the deep already existed before that. And so the deep could be separate from the earth. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to find out that it is. And it's this water in heaven. All right? And now we know it's above heaven. It's above the second heaven, which we call outer space. And the sea above outer space and below the third heaven ends up being a sea of separation. It's basically water separating the tainted, corrupted creation 
and it got corrupted by Satan. Remember Lucifer? Yes. He hasn't made man yet as we're going through the Genesis narrative. We haven't even gotten to the sixth day when he made man. So we're talking about sin now it exists in the creation or the universe. And God is perfect and righteous, so he can't be in the presence of sin. So he formed a barrier between him and the sinful universe. Very smart of him. Yeah. And you think about it when he finally does make man on the sixth day and he tells him not to eat of a certain tree and they eat of that tree, rebellion of man began that day and there was another sin introduced, sin of into mankind. Right? Okay. So sin already existed, the iniquity of Lucifer when he rebelled. Yes. And then that was put on to man when man rebelled against God because he wanted what Lucifer was offering. Yes. The serpent in the garden, mm -hmm. right? So we're going to talk about this water a little bit, and we're going to go to the book of, well, we don't have to go there, but we talked about last week that there was an apostle named Paul who wrote a letter, 2 Corinthians, where he talked about going up to the third heaven. So we now know that the third heaven is where God's throne is, according to the Torah, Old Testament scripture. And then um, it's above all the other two heavens. And this water separates it according to uh, Exodus chapter 20. We're going to go to the book of Exodus. That's the second book of the Torah. Or, or in the in the Christian Bible, it's the second book. The order might be slightly different in the Torah. But actually, I think it's the same for the first five books. And in Exodus 20, verse 11, it says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, which means he made it holy. So the seventh day, the seventh day is the Sabbath day. Remember we talked about that word yes. Sabbath? And there it is. It means seven. It's just a Hebrew version of the word seven. Now, so he rested on the seventh day, and interestingly, when we talked about that formula of a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, mm -hmm. that seventh thousand year period is referred to as the rest of God, okay, or the restoration of Israel, right? So anyway, uh, when God made the heaven and the earth and the sea, singular. Now, back in Genesis, it said uh, when he made the dry land appear and the water separated, he said the water he called seas, plural. And we know of seas on the earth. We think of the oceans. You know, there's Atlantic, Pacific, Indian, Arctic, yeah. whatever. Uh, there's seas like the Dead Sea, the Lake Michigan, which is <laughs> technically a lake, but it's huge. You know? <laughs> the Black Sea, the Caspian Sea, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are all sort of separate waters, though some of them are connected, but you get the idea. And yet here it says, "In the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea. Now, is the sea, would that be the separation from... Uh, the third heaven to the second heaven? I believe that it is. Okay. And I'm going to try to show scriptures to prove that it is because that singular sea appears to be that water that he placed above the heaven. And he didn't name that water or didn't describe it anymore in detail. He named the waters seas on the earth. Mm -hmm. But this was water above the firmament. So we know we can't conflate the two. They can't be the same. One's not a symbol of the other. One is actually, you could say it's a type in a sense. The oceans might represent God's heavenly yeah. sea, right? But it's a separate thing. So we'll see some of that in back in Genesis chapter one. So I'm going to just describe that again, just as I referenced it, because I like to let people see the scripture reference so that they don't think I'm just making it up. Mm -hmm. It's Genesis chapter one, verse nine. God said, let the waters under the heaven on the earth mm -hmm. under the, be gathered together under one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, plural, S-E-A-S, right? Mm -hmm. So just like we were talking about, and God saw that it was good 
And uh, all, all this, by the way, happens on the third day. By the way, that same day, he brought forth uh, all the plants. He goes on, after he brought forth the seas and the earth, then he could grow plants. Yeah. So, And it's interesting to note that he put the plants on the earth before he had put the sun and the moon and the stars on the fourth day. Why do you think that is? Well, it's just interesting to think about the fact that how would plants grow if there wasn't sunlight, right? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting also to say, he said, and the earth brought forth grass and the tree yielding fruit and on and on. That indicates it was already there. That does. Meaning the original earth that was where the angels dwelt, there were plants and things there. When God destroyed that earth with the original flood, they went dormant in the earth. So do you think on the original earth there was not a sun or a moon? It very well could have been that the light that shone on the earth was from God himself. And that was the light that caused these to come forth too. And then he makes the sun, moon, and the stars for the times and the seasons and days Mm -hmm. and years for us to count time. Time doesn't even begin where man is concerned until the fourth day. It's interesting. That is. He counts four days before there's even a way to reckon time. Right. So God reckons time without the sun, the moon, and the stars. Mm -hmm. We reckon it by the sun, moon, and the stars. We do. And you think about it, it only makes sense. We're bound in time. We are temporal creatures. God's eternal. Very true. So he doesn't need temporal things, right? That's mm-hmm. why a day with God can be as a thousand years. Yeah. A day with you and me is not a thousand no, years. No, it's one day. <laughs> right. So we see the day as the same. So then this seas he gathers together on the earth can't be the sea that Exodus is referring to, which appears to be the water above the heavens, mm-hmm. right? And then, uh, like I said, the seeds that were already in the earth that brought forth, the indication is they were there already in the ruined earth, Dormant, as it were, mm-hmm. for God to bring them forth again. All right. Now, let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalms is such an interesting book. The Psalms of the Torah are fascinating reading. They're not just poetry. They're beautiful writings, but they also contain amazing insight into things of the mysterious realm of God. There's a hundred and 50 Psalms. It's the longest book in the Bible. That is very long. Yeah. And so we're going to go to the 148th Psalm and verse 4, where David wrote these words. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, like three heavens, Mm -hmm. and ye waters that be above the heavens. Now, how would there be waters above the heavens if he's talking about the heavens of heavens and the waters above the heavens, and we know that this water is between the second and third heaven. We've already read that. So he must be talking about that water that God said was separated from the earth by the firmament Mm -hmm. or the outer space, second heaven, right? All right, so Psalm tells us that. And then Job is also another one of those books. I remember I told you in the first episode that Job was a guy that had a pretty bad time. He did. Uh, God allowed Satan to attack him, and he took everything away from him. I know. He blessed him in the end, though. God restored everything sevenfold afterwards. But he's a picture of something, too. Job is literally a picture and type of Israel in the time of tribulation. How so? Which is coming. Uh, because they're going, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Mm-hmm. Jacob is the name of Israel before God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Jacob means a thief. Well, then. <laughs> <laughs> like a guy that would cheat you at cards. Yeah. Israel means blessed of God. 
So you can see how the name, you know, he cheated to get the birthright from mm-hmm. his brother Esau, but God uh, honored him with the blessing because he wanted it. He sought the blessing when Esau didn't care. He didn't care. So, uh, and Esau is an interesting name too, because his name, uh, he was born a very red, hairy man. Mm-hmm. And the word Esau is the same as the word Seder, which is like a little goat, a hairy goat man. You ever pan the pan pipes, you know? No. There's a little goat-legged man with horns, a Greek mythology, and they play a little pipe, you know? His name is Pan. He's a satyr, you know? It's the, um, it's also, <laughs> uh, it's the, it's a, I think it's a Greek word. It might be Latin. But it's the male version of another Greek word that has a female version, and that's called nymph. So there's another word <laughs> that we say in English for nymph, and a satyr could also be applied to a man that's like a female okay. nymphomaniac, you know. A man that can't control himself is a satyr. Okay. You know, so we don't use those words much anymore, but that's what they, no, we they apply to. So Pan had the reputation of being a ladies' man, a Casanova. Oh, okay. Right? In Greek mythology. I get where you're so going He couldn't control this. himself. Right? <laughs> so he's also, in, and symbolically, the devil is a hybrid-looking cherub because he's got horns, he's got an ox's face, mm-hmm. goat you know, the, the, the I'm talking about the caricature of him as having cloven hooves and yes. a tail. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> so it all kind of ties together. Excuse me. Uh, so anyway... Job had all those things happen to him. God restored him and blessed him in the end. But he's a picture of the trial of Israel until the Lord comes back okay. and restores them into their land and their kingdom. They, they go through a horrible time, the time of trouble, but in the end, God's going to restore everything back to them sevenfold. Yeah, so, and we'll talk about some of the things that, that Israel is dealing with now. I don't mean the modern nation Israel, but historic Israel. Okay. Okay, we'll look at the history of them, too, at some point in one of our podcasts. So Job was an Israelite man. Uh, I don't know if he was considered a, a, an Israelite because the nation had not yet been formed yet, but I think he was of the lineage of Shem, and Shem's lineage goes to Israel. And so if you've ever heard the term Semite, or Semitic or anti-Semitic. Yes. It's because the root is Shem. Okay. Shem is one of the three sons of Noah. So the bloodline of Israel goes through Shem, hence the term Semites. Okay. They're Semitic peoples. <clears throat> Israel's not the only Semitic people, but they are a Semitic people. Okay. So Job was probably a Semite, though it was before there was an Israel. Mm-hmm. So he was related to Shem. And in Job chapter 38, remember we talked about God speaking to him out of the whirlwind? Yes. Yeah, well, he's still here. In chapter 38. <laughs> and he's telling Job, he's asking him, where were you when I made the earth? Remember, he talked about laying yes. the foundations. And he's continuing with this thing. He's like, where were you when I did this? Do you know this? Do you know this? You know, he's kind of letting him know that I did things you know nothing about. And here you are trying to explain everything away. And your three friends are giving you bad advice. And I'm here to tell you, you don't know half of it. Mm-hmm. Right? So he says in verse 30, the waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. So remember the deep of Genesis 1 verse 2? That God was, His Spirit moved upon the face of the waters yes. and the deep, all right? So it says the face of the deep is frozen, all right? And he talks about hid as with a stone. The waters hid as with a stone. So you think of frozen water. Yes. Ice is hard like a stone, all right? Is it possible that the water that God put above the heavens above the firmament, is frozen. Well, when you think about it, water in outer space would be frozen. Very true. Right? Because it's a vacuum and there's what, you know, it's cold. All right? So if that is where it truly is, 
then could the face of the deep be a frozen sea? Yes. Separating God's third heaven from the outer space realm or the tainted creation, everything Mm -hmm. below that tainted because of sin. All right, let's look and see if that's true. So here's a visual picture of what that, just a graphic diagram of what that could look like. If the third heaven is where God's throne is, and we just are drawing a little picture of it, like like a triangle showing God's throne, then a sea, a frozen sea, I've got the word sea of glass there, but we're gonna find that in the Bible. Okay. The second heaven we've already discussed would be outer space, and that's where Satan dwells with his angels. That's yes, where he deserves to be at. He is a seven-headed red dragon <laughs> in, in his political type. And then the first heaven we've described is the atmosphere that surrounds the earth. Yes. So what we're seeing is where is this water above the heaven? Well, it's not on the earth because we know those are seas. Mm-hmm. But there's the sea, and then Job talks about the sea of the, uh, the waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Could this water be the deep? that separates the third heaven from the second heaven. All right, let's dig and see. We'll go to the book of Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is such a fascinating book. If anybody's never read a Bible, uh, it's a very entertaining book. They ought to make a movie out of the book of Ezekiel because it's so fascinating of what he sees. In chapter 1, he sees uh, he's the first prophet in the Torah that ever describes seeing a cherub. All right? Now, in fact, he sees four of them. So there's four cherubs that come down, and he has a vision. And I'm going to read a good section of this because I want the listeners to kind of get an understanding of it. Um, Starting in verse 22, we read, And the likeness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creature. And I'm going to come back to verse 1 in a second, but I just wanted to read that for context. He's seeing something, and what he's seeing, we're going to go back and look at in just a second, are four living creatures And above their heads is a firmament. And he says, it's the firmament as the color of the terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads. So stretched forth is firmament, expanse, like like a canopy, all right? And uh, we already seen that he called the firmament heaven Mm -hmm. in Genesis chapter 1. And here he's liking it something like a crystal. You think of frozen water, ice looks like crystal. Yes. Okay. Now we're going to back up and see if we can put some context to this. Okay. So Ezekiel is uh, by a river called Kibar, and I don't know where that is. It might be in uh, Babylon. Okay. Okay. Uh, But he says the heavens were open and he saw a vision of God. So this is a vision that he sees. And uh, we're going to look around verse um, 4. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4. I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north. God likes whirlwinds. (laughs) <laughs> and a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. And, and I'm not sure what he would describe, some sort of a light that didn't look like anything he'd ever seen before. So his only connection to it would be fire. Okay. You know, there were no light bulbs, you know, no fluorescent lights, yeah. <laughs> no glowing things. So he would understand a light in some form as a fire enfolding itself, maybe. And uh, and it was like it didn't burn and and burn itself out. It just kept shining and shining and didn't go out. Okay. And a brightness was about it and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. And out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. Now, these are not animals he'd ever seen before. So he doesn't know what they are. Okay. He just calls them living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. So their body was anthropomorphic. You know, looks like a man's body, two legs, two arms, a head, right? 
And uh, this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man and everyone had four faces and everyone had four wings and their feet were straight feet and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, cloven hooves. We think of this as almost like a monster, right? Yeah, very scary. And I would imagine it's probably so beautiful we can't conceive of it, right? But because in our imagery, in our world, we see th- you know, we would look at an alien creature and we would think, ooh, weird. You yeah, know? right. To me, insects are weird and ugly. <laughs> but there's a beauty to their design. You very know? true. Thank God bees are made the way they are, you mm-hmm. know, because they make honey and all that. Uh, and they pollinate the trees and everything else. So God's purpose and balance and all is amazing. So we can't imagine this because we've never seen it in mm-hmm. real flesh and blood, right? So he's describing this. It says, the sole of their feet sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings, so they had four, five fingers, on their four sides, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went everyone straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. So imagine a man and a lion and an ox and an eagle. I've got that reverse. <laughs> man and a lion, ox and an eagle. Very scary to imagine. <laughs> scary to imagine, absolutely. Uh, and yet here they are, and this is a description of a cherub. So this is what a angel that was like basically a king looks like. Yes, some type of a special high-ranking angel. You know, because Michael is an archangel, but these must be above that. Mm -hmm. These seem to be the angels, and there's four of them here, that surround the throne of God day and night. And they proclaim his holiness. Lucifer was a cherub. He looked exactly like this in his beauty, only he was even greater than that. He was better than that. God made him more beautiful than even these, you know. And so somehow he got lifted up with that pride to think Mm -hmm. he could be God. Very true. Right. And so, uh, and it says that they, wherever they went, they went straight forward. And, and there says there was, their spirit went with them. And it says the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. So they're illuminated, right? Yeah. And they went up and down among the living creatures, this light, right? And it says um, the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. So they moved in a realm you know, in a spiritual realm, a dimension that we can't comprehend, right? Like lightning bolts? Or? Well, I'm, he says like lightning, so it must be like they flashed, you okay. know, and they moved. And it's really hard to put all this together because we're yeah. trying to imagine this. And this ancient Eastern book is trying to describe <laughs> what might we think of as a very modern-looking transportive vehicle thing. Yes. In fact, they have vehicles. Verse 15 says, Now, as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of a barrel, which is a stone, and their appearance and their work was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. And what he's describing is a vehicle. They're inside a vessel. So these creatures are in some sort of a containment vessel like a UFO, if you will, like a spacecraft, some sort of a self sized wheel that they travel in. Here's an image of what an artist thinks that might have looked like, but he's drawing it just as though they're rings, you know. But we don't know what it would look like. That's just an artist's conception. And this terrible crystal above their heads is this glass 
here, this what looks like a wow. it's frozen water. And then there's God's throne. And he goes on to describe his throne was like a rainbow and everything else mm-hmm. right? in the book of Ezekiel. So what I'm thinking is <clears throat> when these cherubs travel, uh, they travel contained in these vessels, probably because it's keeping them separate from the tainted, corrupted universe. Yes. They're perfect beings, sinless creatures, right? And the sea of glass is above them, and God's throne is above them. So look down here in this image, you're seeing what looks like a riverside. Yeah. Remember, Ezekiel said he was near the river Kibar or whatever. Mm-hmm. So pretend like that's a little Ezekiel right down there, a little man on the bank of the river. You can barely see it. And he's looking up to see these four creatures, which seem to be supporting this platform, like a crystal frozen glass platform, and above the platform was God. Now, why do you think it's that way? In other words, why would you think that God reveals himself through a transparent glass-like firmament to Ezekiel on the earth, but he's above it and not standing right there next to Ezekiel? Is it so that, like, he doesn't get intertwined with the wickedness that's on earth? I completely agree with you. That's exactly what it is. And what's interesting is this very scene right here is a glimpse into the throne room of God. But from the vantage point of standing on the earth, looking up through the glass, Mm -hmm. through the sea, if you will, because sin is on the earth. Yes. All right. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Later on in a book called Revelation, the last book of the Bible, there's an apostle named John who wrote that. John is transported up into heaven, stands on top of the glass, and describes what he sees, and the four living creatures are there, the throne is there with the rainbow, and he stands on what he calls the sea of glass. My goodness. What's the difference? How come Ezekiel sees it from below looking up, but John got to go up looking right there like you and I are talking to each other? And the difference is something happened between the time Ezekiel wrote and John wrote that opened a door into heaven. That is very interesting. Something happened that allowed a man like John, who's just as sinful as Ezekiel, Mm -hmm. to be brought up into God's presence. And it has something to do with that high priest that offered a sacrifice. In this case, it was the man, Jesus, 
who offered his own blood as a sacrifice. Okay. You know what I mean? That makes sense. According to the New Testament. So there there was a reason why he could go up. So we get a little bit of description here and a greater description later. Mm -hmm. So these wheels uh, could be a craft of some form. And even though this artist rendering that you're looking at now kind of looks like two rings, like they're rotating somehow, we don't really know how an Eastern thinking ancient prophet would describe a flying machine. Very true. If it was a machine, you know, and, and it could be, it could be. And the way he's describing it, it's got wheels, it's got lights, it almost sounds like some sort of a craft. Mm-hmm. Well, so that would tell me then that there are some angels that, like these cherubs, that use some form of a craft, some other dimensional device to travel in. Yes. And if they could do that and they had that technology, why wouldn't fallen angels have it too? Maybe this is something that God offered them and the fallen angels have no idea about it. It's possible. It's also possible that the fallen angels already had the wisdom to build mm-hmm. the technology. It could be, yeah, only God made it for just these cherubs and they don't know anything about it. It's yeah. a secret. But there's another thought behind it. What if UFOs are in fact fallen angel crafts? That these are not aliens, but they're actually those fallen angels traveling and doing all kinds of mischief. That's very interesting. Yeah, and now, that's something are we're going to talk about. Are the cherubs holding up the glass? I don't know that they're holding it up. The way the, the book of Ezekiel describes it is it is above their heads. So it's just kind of floating. Yeah, there. it just says it's above the firmament. So it could just be they're floating. The way the artist's drawing looks like, it almost seems like they're supporting it with yeah. their wings. But uh, if you think about it, it's almost like a tiny section mm-hmm. of what could be a gigantic sea. Yes. You know, that's as big as the outer space, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and Or it could just be a small section of it, but either way it, it goes. It's something that's giving him a glimpse into the heaven, and, and he describes basically God's throne in this passage here from that Old Testament or Torah perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And he sees these cherubs. So the reason I brought these things up is because this firmament here that is above their heads, whether they're holding it up, whether the vessels are holding it up, or whether it's self-supporting and they're just beneath it because they're somehow a a means of transporting this vision down to Ezekiel to see and write about. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, it's a glimpse into seeing that firmament. Yeah. and And that it separates God and his throne from even the cherubs below it which maybe because they're in these vessels, they're self-contained in a special way, you know? Okay. All right? So it means then that they're real entities that, that have real wheels or vessels of some kind, and there really is some form of a firmament that is described as a terrible crystal by Ezekiel. We've seen the face of the deep is frozen in the book of Job. Uh, we've seen waters above the firmament. We're starting to put all this together, and it seems like this is a sea of frozen water. Yes. Right? All right, so we're going to go to Exodus chapter 24, verse 10. Back in the Old Testament again, or still in the Old Testament, but we're going to see it says, And they saw the God of Israel, in verse 10, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. So sapphire is sort of a blue stone, as I understand it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you think of blue 
and you think of a sea and the ocean blue. Yeah. You think of frozen water and even frozen Arctic ice has a blue tint to it mm-hmm. sometimes. So it could be he's seeing this water and it says under the feet of God in this vision that they see here in Israel. All right. So that brings us to Revelation, the book of Revelation. And uh, I was talking about John who went up there and he actually uh, got to write from the vantage point of being in heaven. And we go to Revelation chapter 15, verse 2, where we read, And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And I think the harps of God there is where a lot of people get this image that people are up there playing harps. Yes. There's some individuals up there playing harps, but not everybody gets a harp. <laughs> Only the harpist gets a harp with right? their hearts. <laughs> Makes sense. So he mentions the sea of glass, okay? So there's a sea of glass there. Well, where is John anyway when he writes this? Well, we go back to chapter 4 to get the uh, the perspective or the context, okay? So same book, Revelation, which is the last book of your Bible, mm-hmm. and it's chapter 4, verse 1. So this is where John goes up. Now, we saw when Ezekiel was looking up and he saw the four living creatures mm-hmm. the, with the four faces and the four wings and the wheels next to them. He saw the cherubs. He saw them, the cherubs, and he looked up and he saw God above the firmament. Mm-hmm. Watch the difference here in Revelation 4. John writes, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. I like to pretend that's Louis Armstrong. He's my hero. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He was a trumpet player. He started jazz, (laughs) and I know he's up there. And so he might be the one that's saying, hey, come on up in that gravelly voice. But anyway, it sounds like a trumpet. Uh, And verse 2, and immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he that, was, uh, he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And by the way, that's described in Ezekiel. We didn't read it, but the, he saw the rainbow of the throne in Ezekiel. Okay. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, we don't know who those elders are. No. Ezekiel didn't see them. Okay. There's uh, some, maybe a, we'll do a podcast to try to delve into if we can figure out the mystery of who the elders are. Yes. Out of the throne, where God is sitting, proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts, full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. John sees four different living creatures, beasts, with four individual faces. Ezekiel saw each one having the four faces. I wonder where that is. So perhaps when they're in heaven and in that realm, only one face shows forward. Okay. But in the realm that Ezekiel saw them in those vessels, maybe mm-hmm. there's like a spinning type thing. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, something about the transferring of dimensions mm-hmm. of the spiritual realm and the and the physical realm. It you know, changes their appearance. Somehow change their appearance. And it says the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. Four were on the ones in Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And they were full of eyes within 
And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Notice three holies. Three. Makes sense. Three equals perfect. Right. Perfect, right? And so these creatures appear to be the same types of creatures and from the vantage point of being on the sea of glass. So what is the sea of glass? It's the floor of heaven. How beautiful. The sea of glass is that water frozen that separates God's throne. And there's going to be a day when basically he's going to thaw that and come down. And I'm going to show you that. So here's an artist's image of what John was seeing in heaven, the four creatures there. Wow, that is beautiful. It's just a drawing of the throne of God like a, 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 an emerald rainbow. These appear to be the 24 elders seated in the front row there. And before them are the seven spirits or lamps of God and the four living creatures. And then these would appear to be angels. Now, you think with the drawings and all of the triangles, is it because a triangle only has three sides? Well, I think that's just arrows being pointing to the sea of glass. It forms a triangle here, but I think that's just like maybe not part of the artist's drawing, but somebody who wrote this indicating what this floor is. Okay. That's what I think anyway. But it's a good point you're making. There is a triangle, which does have three sides. (laughs) So there's something perfect about that shape Mm -hmm. when you think about it. Yet here's this floor that they're standing on or seated on or whatever, and it appears to be blue like sapphire, Mm -hmm. right? The sea of glass. That's what John described it as. Now, what's interesting is I talked about there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Yes. Well, let's go to that passage. It's the last chapter of the Bible. Well, second to last, excuse me. It's chapter 21. Now, a lot of things happen that are going to take place according to the Bible in prophecy from this point forward. Mm -hmm. And there's at least a seven-year period of time, which is going to be a time of Jacob's trouble. There's going to be a thousand-year period of time for the Sabbath restoration of Israel, and things are going to happen on the earth with the Gentile nations as well. Mm -hmm. And then during that time, Satan is going to be grabbed by an angel, (laughs) wrapped in a chain, thrown in the bottomless pit, and he won't get out for a thousand years. How so? This angel is prepared to come get him and throw him in this pit in chains. And during that thousand-year period of time when he can't make any mischief and his angels can't either, there's going to be a king on the earth, which is Jesus. He's going to reign over the nations with a rod of iron, according to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. They're going to beat swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. The lamb will lay down with the lion. The bear will eat straw like the ox. All this thing. Diseases will be cured immediately by leaves from certain trees. Mm -hmm. Men will live upwards of 900 years. My goodness. Like they did before the time of Noah. Yeah. Right? All coming around again. It's a picture or type of the new heaven and the new earth. But it hasn't happened yet. There's still sin. There's still death. There's still disobedience and things like that. So Christ reigns for a thousand years, the Jesus of the Bible. And at the end of the thousand years, this Lucifer, Satan, is let loose out of the bottomless pit. The Bible says for a little season. And in that amount of time, people have begun to populate again, and there could be billions. I mean, more than we know now. My goodness. On the earth, living longer lives. Uh-huh. So imagine if a woman 
uh, today has so many childbearing years within a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's 20 or maybe 30. I'm, I don't even know how many years an average woman is actually fertile to bear children. Well, what if she could live 900 years? How many years would she be fertile to bear children? A long time. How That's many a lot more of children could there possibly be <laughs> born during that time? Yeah. All living. In fact, the Bible says a child will be considered a child at 100 years old during that time. Imagine being 100 and being considered a child. Like, what? (laughs) So during that time, things will be different again. But when Satan is loosed with this perfect government, this perfect righteousness, a perfect judge, perfect everything, the utopia that man is always trying to strive for through government, Christ brings it. Man hates it, except for the ones that believe on God. Yes. And so the ones that don't, Satan gathers them together and says, would you like to join me in a rebellion? And he does it again. He does it again, this time with men. He gathers together an army so big, the Bible says it outnumbers the sand of the sea. And they surround Jerusalem. This angel just does not give up. He doesn't give up. And they're going to surround Jerusalem on a day when all of the nations gather together every year to Jerusalem to keep a feast. And in the, in the Torah, it's called the Feast of Tabernacles because they build tents, mm-hmm. they camp around the city, and they bring their offering to the Israel of God. And uh, when they're all gathered, the devil goes, great, they're shooting ducks in a barrel. I got them right here. Right? He surrounds them. He's about to attack, and fire comes down from heaven, from God, and burns up the entire earth. Burns up everything. All of those wicked men that joined Lucifer in the rebellion, mm-hmm. Lucifer is taken at that point and thrown into something called the lake of fire. And all those wicked go with him. And what about all those believing people camping around the yeah, city? Yeah, what happens to them? There's a story in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel where there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar. He was a Babylonian king that's a picture of Satan, mm-hmm. a picture of the Antichrist. He decides he got all his kingdom and glory by his own work. And when that pride came up, God said, "Uh uh-uh, you know. But uh, right before God punished him for that, he made a giant image of himself. And he made it out of gold. And he says, every time you hear the music, you need to bow. He made a law. You bow down and you worship the image. So conceited. And three of Daniel's friends, their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. (laughs) (laughs) Three of his friends that were Jews in captivity said, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't going to do it. He said, if you don't, we'll throw you in a fiery furnace. And they said, well, our God is able to deliver us no matter what you do. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to your image. Good for them. So they're a picture of of heroism for sure and Mm -hmm. courage and faith in God. So those three men in the Torah refused to bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar said, stoke the fire seven times hotter than it was. And the, they bound those three guys in all their clothes and threw them in the fire. And the fire was so hot that the men that threw them in burned to death. And they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire in a pit, in a furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looks down and he said, didn't we throw three guys into the fire? And they said, yeah. And he said, how come I see four of them standing there unhurt, one of them like the Son of God? (laughs) And they took him out of the fire, and there wasn't so much as a hair singed or the smell of smoke on their clothes. 
That's amazing. It's a picture of what's going to happen in that fire when it comes down from God at the end of a thousand years. He's going to burn up the wicked and the righteous are going to stand there going, cool. Wow. Right? (laughs) No harm to them whatsoever. And then God takes from that burnt ashes, Mm -hmm. he makes a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what we're about to read. So all that was a little background to show you what we're about to see. Okay. Chapter 21 of Revelation verse 1 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And this was after all that happens. He says, For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Now watch this verse. And there was no more sea. S-E-A. And that is the sea that the barrier that is used to keep uh, the the third heaven from the second heaven. That's what I believe. Because at that point, God has purged all wickedness, mm-hmm. and it's gone. He's, there was a judgment at the end of the previous chapter where the wicked go into the lake of fire and the righteous go into this new heaven and the new earth. Mm-hmm. And the best part of it, it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That city is the tabernacle of God, Mm -hmm. and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And he says he's with all men. At that point, all nations, not just Israel. He's been the God of Israel for a thousand years during that time. Mm -hmm. Now he's the God of all mankind. So they come down, and it says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And as a 57-year-old man, I can tell you, I look forward to no more pain. (laughs) So, no more sea. People used to think, oh, there's not going to be oceans, I can't surf on the new earth. No, there's going to be oceans, and we're going to surf, and we're going to swim, and we're going to enjoy and sail and everything else. The sea that there's not going to be anymore is the sea of glass. And the reason why, he doesn't need the barrier anymore. No, all wicked is gone. He's purged the universe of all sin and wickedness. The righteous are all that remain. The unrighteous are in the lake of fire. And he can now come down and dwell with men in the new heaven and the new earth. That's a beautiful picture. That is. Just a perfect world. I can't wait for it. And so we're encouraging people to think about this because this entire thing is being hidden from the world today. You know, everything around you that distracts you is to take your eyes off what's really important. Yes. Because we might live 70, 80, maybe 90 years. Mm -hmm. There's people that live upwards of 100 years. But most of us are going to die probably between 70, 80, 90 years old. Mm -hmm. But that's a tiny drop in the ocean compared to eternity. Yes. And this is eternity. So that sea of glass that's going to be removed and God comes down, that's where... I'm trying to get people to see that's where you want to be. Yes. You know, don't get distracted from the fights and the turmoil and the nonsense that's going on the earth today because that's a distraction. That's to take your eyes away from where truth is. And people are looking for justice in the government. Good luck. Yes. You know, good luck with that. We're going to find out as we go further in this podcast that these governments, all of them, are controlled by Satan and his angels. They're all corrupt. And there's an occult elite group of people controlling this world right now that you know nothing about, and he's behind every bit of them. And that's why nothing ever changes when you vote. Very true. That's why things are getting worse. And another thing I'm going to tease you with is you're going to find out that there was an ancient practice done by pagan countries in worshiping other gods, a particular god, and they burned their children in the fire to those gods. 
and they're doing it today. That and is horrible. You don't know about it, and you don't see it, but it's happening in a in a more insidious form than they even did back then. And it's secret, and it's done by extremely rich people, and they control the world right now. And a lot of what's going on with um, child sex trafficking yeah. and stuff is being promoted by these people so they can take those kids. That's horrible. It is horrible. So I hope you'll tune in next week. We're not going to talk about that next week. Uh, we're going to get to some things behind that to set the stage to show you how evil this world can be without faith in what God has prepared for us. So Yes. I thank you so much for being here today, Zena. As always, thank you for your time. Of course. Thank you for having me. Well, you've been listening to the Bible Mysteries podcast. We encourage you to tune in each week. Next week, we'll have another episode, so I encourage you to join us. And don't forget, you can go to utbnow.com. That's unlockthebiblenow.com to learn more. So till then, have a great week. Yes, please have a great week. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.